So I'm wondering this morning, what shapes your reality? What shapes your reality? What you see, what you feel, or what you know? The last 33 years, my life has consisted of seeking justice for the poor by walking the corridors of power in Westminster, walking down the avenues and walking into the tin shacks of the slums in Africa, shedding tears in the war-torn places of Liberia and Burundi and holding a child, an infant in my arm that next day that died of malnutrition. Those things that I've seen, those things that I've heard, the injustices that I've seen, the pain, the tears that I've shed, could shape my reality, be my reality. But actually, I've chosen to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, he's Lord of my life. He is Lord of my life. And no matter what I see and what I feel, I know that he is Lord of my life. So this morning we are looking at, um, you have to excuse me, these glasses, they're new to me, and I'm a bit all over the place with the prescription, so I'm just going to stand back here to see my words. So this morning we're looking at Lazarus, John 11, the seventh miracle that we have been having brought to us over the last weeks. A prophetic demonstration of what is yet to come. I wonder. So we had this situation where Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, is so ill, they send message to Jesus. Come, come quickly. The one you love is so ill, he's dying. We need you to come for what we see and what we feel here. It needs you, and you are the only answer. So come. Jesus receives this message. And what does he do? Does he run? Does he respond to the love that he has for Lazarus? No, he doesn't. He stays put. It'll take another day for him to actually get back to where Lazarus is. But he stays for another two days where he is. Three days delaying in total four since the message has been sent. Why? Why wouldn't you just run and respond to that call, that cry of the people that you care so much for? You are going to shed tears for them. Only the third time in the word in the Bible where we hear Jesus has shed tears. He must have been so emotionally moved, but no, he did not respond to what he felt. And he remained there. Why? Because he only did what he saw the Father doing. He only stepped forward and did what he saw the Father doing. 
What do we do? Very often we, I think, can run to go and get things done. Oh, there's a need. I'll go fix it. Rather than maybe just stepping back and just saying, Lord, what do you want? Here is this situation. Where are you in this? What do you want of me? Do you want me in this situation? Or is there another to step in? And if I was to run ahead and go and do this, would I be denying another person's call to act in this situation? Would I be denying you, Father God, the glory? Because I have stepped forward and fixed it. Oh, we love fixing stuff, don't we, as humans? Makes us feel good. Well, it's not about us. As we've just sung, it's not about us. It's all about him. It's all about being obedient. We need to eagerly, eagerly seek obedience and, and not chase results. So there's Jesus. He eventually arrives, and I find it fascinating that the one who comes to greet him is Martha. Martha was the one in who, when Jesus visited Mary and Martha's home, she was the one in the kitchen doing all the jobs, getting everything sorted out, fixing everything. And it was Mary who came and sat at his feet and spent time with him. But no, this time it's Martha. Martha who comes and, 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 uh, to, to greet Jesus. I think, well, has Martha come to realize that actually it's not through her doing that makes stuff happen. It's through her being. It's through her Lord and Savior, the one that she was then to say yes when Jesus says, do you see me as the risen Christ? And she says, yes, I do. I believe that you are Christ, the Son of God. And therefore, I surrender. I surrender all that I am to you and all that is going to happen with my brother, who I so dearly love. Because he may be dead, as she reports to him, but I know you are the living Christ. And you can do anything. So Jesus follows her and Mary to the tomb. They arrive at the tomb. Crowds of people there to observe, to see to experience. And Jesus says, roll back the stone. So they roll back the stone. And then what does he do next? He doesn't go into the tomb. But he shouts out to Lazarus, come forth. Now I wonder in that tomb, you've got Lazarus, He's got a choice. We all have a choice to respond. We all have a choice. He didn't have to get up and come out. But Jesus said, come. He welcomed Lazarus. But to see miracle happen, to see kingdom come, we need to partner with God's will. And Lazarus decided to agree he came forth. He stepped out of the tomb. He partnered with Father God 
to see this miracle occur, this miracle that was going to lead into what we were going to see at Easter. And he comes forth and he stands there just outside the tomb. And his hands are bound and his feet are bound and he's got grave clothes around his eyes. He is bound in his grave clothes. Jesus, again, doesn't go up to him and says, right, I'll unravel your grave clothes. I'll help you out of these things. What did he do? He sent others to do it. To remove the grave clothes off Lazarus. Why? Because Jesus has spent his whole ministry in equipping, in discipling, in enabling us, his disciples, to go and be part of this journey. This unraveling of grave clothes that we all wear when we are brought out of death. When we come to faith, we all come to faith with our grave clothes on. And though the Holy Spirit may come and fill us, though the Holy Spirit come and give us new life as it did Lazarus, we still step into this new life with our grave clothes on. And it's for the brothers and sisters in Christ. It is for Lazarus' brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside him, to love him, to remove those grave clothes from him so he can live to the fullness of all that God has created him to be, all that God has brought him back to life to be. What a phenomenal opportunity to partner with God in this way of seeing people released into their new life. Death is, is it's not a destination. It's a transition. Death begins the day that we step out and say, yes, Lord, I'm yours, because we repent. We turn the other way. We leave the old self behind and we walk out into the new. And that's a transition process. And as, um, as um, Billy Graham, bless him, the man who brought me to faith, not personally, but major part in my own coming to faith, 2018, just before he was to pass away, he said, you may hear of my death, but don't believe it. I will be more alive then than I have ever been. I have just moved addresses. I've just moved addresses. I'm really conscious of the presence that I'm in this morning, and there are people here who are in really challenging situations. And what I want to bring now but I want to bring it because I want everybody to remember, to realize that what we come to church for is not just to gather amongst each other, which is all good being part of the vine, but it's actually all about him and recognizing actually this Jesus that we worship, it's real. 
Our faith is real. It's what we know. The reality is he is risen and death is not the final. Whether that be the struggles that you have in the day-to-day here on earth or whether that might be in the days that you have left here on earth. A number of years back, a very dear friend contracted cancer, only 35, in the lungs and in her leg. And the day she was brought out of the operating theatre and I walked into her room, her leg out here bandaged. She had had all of the bone removed and the titanium bone put in place. And I just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in that, in that room. And then I just felt that nudge in this overwhelming place of sadness and joy and just all of these different emotions. I said, put your hands on her leg and pray. So I laid my hands on this leg, this bundle of bandages. And the Holy Spirit came. Tears running down my face. And I just heard God say, I will heal her and I will restore her. Oh, that filled me with such hope. I felt, is this something I should share with Shirley? Is this something I should share with her mum who is here? I just thought, this is the right thing to do, which I duly did. Four months later, I'm stood by her bedside as she draws her last breath. Four o'clock in the morning, I'm lying awake in that house now empty. And I go, God, you said I would, she, um, that you would heal her and restore her. You said that. I know you said that because I know when you speak to me. And he said, I did. I did. I healed her and restored her and brought her back to me. And this picture, so clear as day, came into my mind. And I saw Shirley up there. And she had this hair, wavy blonde hair, right down to her bottom with this denim jacket on. And she had a smile on her face like I had never seen. Like I had never seen. And her parents came downstairs a few hours later, and I shared that with her parents, and her father just wept. And he said, when Shirley was a late teen, she drifted away from her faith. She came back to her faith increasingly as she walked through this illness. She came to realize a relationship with her father God that wasn't put the penny in the slot, pull the handle, and that answers a prayer. It was relationship. And she knew her father God. And she went home. And she, in that process, transformed other people's lives. When they came into the house, there was a presence of the Holy Spirit as she was fighting this horrible thing called cancer, but she was with the Lord and Savior, and he had her hand, and he took her home. And the father said, that picture you have just given, Nick, that I had never seen before, 
was of her with her long blonde hair that he remembers her being that I had never seen. And her favorite thing, her favorite garment in those days of a teenager, when she had her faith, when she knew Father God, was that denim jacket. She was with her Father God. It's an awesome privilege. It's an awesome thing to be in a place where God is saying, I want to bring you new life. Where he is there, he is offering it. He's saying, will you take my hand? Will you trust me? And like Mary and Martha, their plans were turned upside down. Come, Jesus, come and help Lazarus not die. Their plans were turned upside down because his plans, God's plans, were the ones that were to be played out. Will you allow God in to the plans in your life and actually go, Lord, I surrender? I surrender all that I am, all the plans that I have, because actually I'm here for you. And as that song says, he is here waiting for you, not... I am here waiting for you. He's already here. That song always gets me. I'm waiting here for you. No, I don't want to wait. I want to walk towards you because you are already here waiting for me to respond. These grave clothes, these grave clothes that Lazarus wore, we all have them. My work nowadays as it's been for the last 33 years, is helping people, helping myself in the process be all that God has created us to be, to help people transition into more and more of who God has called them to be. Today, I'm a psychotherapist and a clinical supervisor. I see on a day-to-day basis the brokenness, the grave clothes that people walk around with but I see also the grace, the power of Jesus Christ that comes in to relinquish people, to remove the grave clothes of the hands and the feet and the eyes to enable people to be free from all of the baggage of life that we all pick up along the way. But if you've said, yes, Lord, my life is yours. If you've said, Father, I want to walk in your truth, that I want to know the fullness of you while I'm here on earth, then this part on earth, it's like the front door to the garden gate on your journey of a global trip. It's a tiny part of it. But if you want to be wholly and utterly equipped and those robes removed, then that's a place of surrender. That's a place of going, yes, Lord. But that's for us but that's also for us to do for others. And NBC, over these last few years, since I've been around anyway, certainly God has been saying, I'm here. And a number of months ago, God said up at the church, I am outside, will you let me in? I am outside, will you let me in? The Holy Spirit wants to come and bring new life. So the question is, do you want that? Do you want that new life? Do you want to be all that God has asked you to be, created you to be, offers to you? There's going to be a billion new evangelical 
Christians on this planet in 20 years. That is the projection. A billion new baby Christians who need their grave clothes removed. We are called to be those disciples to come alongside each other and the new Christians who are going to be coming to serve each other and to serve those who we haven't even met yet. And we need to be prepared and equipped to be able to do that. And if we think we can do it by ourselves, if we think we can do it without the power of the Holy Spirit and without these grave clothes removed, you're sorely mistaken. It's through surrender, vulnerability, and the willingness to say, okay, God, I'm not sure what your plans are, but I'm willing and I'm here. And I want you. I want more of you in my life. So this morning, I would like to ask you the question, what are you going to do? As Lazarus was called forth to step out, to put his hands out, to have his grave clothes removed, what are you going to do? Are there those things in your life that you're thinking, I'm really bound up by this, I'm constrained by this, I want to be shot of this, this thought, this behavior, these feelings, these hurts, these pains, these jagged edges in me, these questions that I have about the things that are going on in my life right now. So if you do, I'd like the band to come up so there's a bit of just background music. I'd like you to come up. I would like you to stand up. I would like you to come forward like Lazarus did. I'd like you to say, yes, Lord. You don't need to say anything about what you are wanting to surrender, what you are struggling with. But as Lazarus stepped forward, as in all of the last seven, six miracles that we have talked about, everything involved action. Everything involved action. None of those miracles would have happened without action of the faithful. For me, I want to see NBC on fire. I want to see the Holy Spirit coming into NBC in such a way and all of the people that we are a light on the hill. That people come because they see something different.